Stand by to the floor in five, four, three, two, one. Coming to you live from the rich heartland of Altamont Springs, Florida, it's The Vic Show with Victor Bowers, brought to you by Super Channel WACX-TV. Take it away! Greetings! Watch your step, Diane. Greetings! Which camera? Oh, that, wait. Oh. Camera two. Camera two, this one. Hello. Camera three. Camera three, that one. Excuse us, folks. We're just getting our, we're just getting our act together. How you doing? Fine. Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. Did we start with that um, mambo music, Linda, or did we just forget about that? Uh, hold on, folks. We're just getting. We're just. Um, uh, Rick has jury duty today, so the place is falling apart. No, I'm joking. It's not. We're doing well. And um, I hope he doesn't get a murder case because that'll take months of his time. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Uh, forget that. Strike that. Strike that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, where is God? He's here with us now. And I'll get to that in a few minutes, right? Terry, good to have you back. Glad you're back. People are taking a little vacation. Spring, taking spring vacation. I'm Victor Bowers, by the way. And um, yeah, so we're here with you. And we're together. And, um, and uh, yeah, so hold on. Let me adjust my music. I know I go through the same, the same routine every show. But it's live. And uh, let's see, Terry. Let's fix your shot here. Can you zoom in a little bit, Terry? Hold on. Excuse us. Live TV, folks. No smoking mirrors here. What you see is what you get. All right? And it's all good. It's all good. Let's get chicken and bitties in the shot. Let's just straighten them up. Okay. Chicken and bitties. Mm. I see scrambled eggs in their future. Oh, that's a horrible joke. So, I was at Backyard Burger this weekend. Yes, Backyard Burger in Altamont Springs, in the Walmart parking lot. It's quite the experience. And, um, and it was after church, and I already had Chipotle for lunch, because uh, right across, one of the reasons I love my church is because there's a Chipotle right across the street. And so it's convenient for me because I love Chipotle. And eat there most days, and um, and so I went to Chipotle and got my bowl to go, and then went home and and did some stuff at home, and then took a little nap, and then was going to go uh, run some errands and stuff like that, and um, and so then I ran my errands to Lowe's and to Home Depot to Target, and my whole routine on Sunday, I went to Costco and filled up my tank and um, my gas tank, you know. And then I went, I thought, you know what? I'm kind of hungry. I'm still kind of hungry. So uh, Backyard Burger, they have good hamburgers, of course. Uh, that's what they're known for. But they also have a good grilled chicken sandwich. And uh, so I went there to get a grilled chicken sandwich. It's healthy. It's, you can get it on a wheat bun. It's really delicious. It's not fancy, but it's good. It's healthy. And uh, it you know, serves its purpose. And you get it, and you're done. So I went there, and um, the line was around the corner. You know, because it's a busy place on the sun. And Sunday was beautiful here. Sunday afternoon was a perfect, I think it was the first day of spring, and it was just gorgeous. And everybody was out, and um, the line for Backyard Burger was wrapping around the restaurant. And uh, uh, my story has a point, so just bear with me. And um, 
Oh, by the way, our, our monitor is not working properly. And so we're going to, we're just going to make it work because so it, it's to convey a point. So this is the point anyway. So, um, I was at Backyard Burger and I, I, I walked up to the counter to place my order with the person. And I happened to get there at five when they were doing a shift change. And so there are people coming in, people leaving, and they were not really taking orders for a couple minutes. And I didn't know that. And I thought they were ignoring me and I got offended and angry. And I'm like, hello, I'm a customer. These, uh, they were all ignoring me. And I'm like, don't, you know. And, uh, and then this kid comes up beside me. To, to, they have a little computerized kiosk, they call it, right next to the order window. And you can go there and you can punch in your order instead of talking to the human. And I didn't know that, I, I, you know, because I see we see screens all the time. Sometimes I just want to talk to a face and not a screen. And plus, when you go to a screen, it's a lot of reading, a lot of explanation. It's, it's just too much. I just wanted to convey my chicken sandwich order to a person and be done with it. Well, this kid comes in. He's not a kid. He was early 20s. And he just punches it in. I mean, he's done. He gets his, he pays with credit card and he gets a receipt. In 30 seconds, and I'm still waiting there, waiting for the human to talk, the, the lady, the cashier, and she was ignoring me. Well, she wasn't, she was, but that's how I, I got offended and I got, you know, I got antsy and I got high, I'm like, you know how you do when you're, how dare they? You get proud and, and contempt and all that, and I'm like, it's a chicken sandwich. And, um, and so I turned to him and said, what do I need to do? I said, what am I, chopped liver? You know, it's cracking a joke. And he laughed. And, and um, anyway, so I placed my order to the lady. And then he told me it was shift change. And he worked there. And so he kind of knew the routine. And so he kind of calmed me down. He was a very nice fellow and kind of calmed me down. And, and so we're just, that was it. And then I waited a few minutes. And my order came. My chicken sandwich came. And so I was gathering my bags to walk back to my car. And he said, oh, by the way, my mom loves your show. I laughed. I almost, you know, dropped my sandwich. And I said, well, tell her thank you. Tell her a big thank you. So whosoever mom's that and your son was very kind and nice and had a great sense of humor. And he laughed at my corny joke and uh, he calmed me down. It was very nice. It was just a wonderful interaction. And to find out that there's another person watching the Vic show is always comforting. <laughs> you know, because we do stuff like this, you know, and so people are watching. But I love it because it's, you know, we're here to tell a message, folks. That's that's what Christian television does. That's that's the one job that God gave us. Uh, followers of Jesus, go and tell the message, go and tell others. It's by hearing that people people are aware of God's love. God loves the world for God so loved the world. Yes, we know that. But most people don't know that they are loved and they live lives of misery and um because they don't know that God has loved them for nothing they've done. You don't earn God's love. God loves you involuntarily. God loves you because he created you. And there's nothing you have to do to earn that love or earn that acceptance. You're already accepted. That's what Christ accomplishes is the acceptance of the world, the good and the bad. The New Testament, the gospel writers are very clear all our works, if you read the rest of John chapter 3, where after John 3.16, John goes deeper into explaining, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever 
believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then those verses underneath it go deeper. And they say that all our works, good and bad, are wrought in God. Meaning what Christ has done, Christ has done for the world. Jesus has done for the world. Not just for those who are good enough, not just for those who are chosen. In Christ, all are chosen. That's the message of the gospel. There's nothing to earn. Your, your righteous living cannot get you into heaven, and your lousy living can't keep, can, cannot get you into hell. It's you accept the gift. You accept the gift. You are a forgiven sinner already. Everyone's a forgiven sinner in Christ already. The sins have been, there is one sacrifice, one death, one atonement for sin in Christ. God has dealt with sin in his son and has accepted you. Do you know it? Do you know it? Most people don't. And so that's the message we preach in all of its different forms and different styles and different denominational varieties. And it comes at you in different ways. And it's all good because it's pointing to what Jesus has done. Jesus, Son of God, God in the flesh, God incarnate. If you, if you want to know where God is, God is with us. God is here. God isn't far away. God is here. And in His Son, in Himself, in Christ, in Jesus, the full human, the full God, Jesus was fully human in His earthly life. Fully human, as human as you are, as human as I am. I am 100% human. 100%. 100, and you are 100% human. Jesus, in his earthly life, was 100% human. There was not a trap door in Jesus where he was sometimes God and sometimes human. He was fully human. He was birthed through a woman's body just like you were. Fully human. Fully, fully, fully human. And God. That's the mystery. That's the rub. You can't prove it. You can't explain it. It's mystery. All you can do is believe it. I'm switching. Hey, here, here I am. And where is God? God is here. Well, Victor, what about all the chaos going on in the world? How can you say God is here? Look at what's going on in Ukraine. 3.4 million people are now refugees. 3.4 million people. The time we're taping this, which is mid-March. Wait, mid-March. Yeah. Mid-March 2022, Ukraine's in a horrible mess at the hands of an angry tyrant. Putin is his name. It's a big mess. Where's it going to lead? I don't know. But God is here. God is in the middle of it. People say, why, why does God allow? This morning I heard a news report of a Chinese seven, Boeing 737. Something happened and it fell out of the sky and crashed like a missile into the side of a mountain. This morning, over 100 people perished. It's tragic. Where is God? God is here. God is here. I can't explain the pain. I can't explain the mistakes of mankind. Good and evil exist together. God put good and evil in the garden. There was a tree, knowledge of good and evil. Evil and good coexist together. Good and evil are one fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I can't explain it. All I can do is tell you that God is here in the middle of it. And at a certain time in history, he showed up in humanity 
as humanity and he's never stopped being human. God, Jesus is still human. He's human glorified. He's human deified. And he's what's on promise for all humanity in the resurrection. That's the beautiful message of Christianity. We call it Christianity. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish and show us a new human experience that all humanity is being pushed into, forced into, whether they like it or not. God gets his way in the end, and it's a good thing. But we resist it because we want to do it our way. So where is God? God is here. And so I wanted to kind of talk on that refugee part a little bit because that's very timely, the day we're producing the show. And, and it just struck me, you know, Jesus was a refugee at a certain point in time. Baby Jesus was a refugee. He knows what it's like to be expelled from his homeland or have to flee his homeland in, um, in his life. And I thought it was very timely. We're going to stick with this message, where is God, up until uh, Passover and Easter this year. A couple weeks away, several weeks away. I think it's profound that Passover and Easter are coinciding in, here in 2022. Because Passover is the foundation of what we celebrate, what we Christians celebrate as Easter. And uh, Good Friday, day of crucifixion. Jesus, in his earthly life, chose to be in Jerusalem during this festival, this Jewish festival, which had been going on for over a thousand years. It wasn't anything new. And Jews still celebrate it every year. It's the hallmark. It's the, it's the, it's the as I like to say, from my, from my perspective, and maybe I can grow in this, but we as Americans, we celebrate July 4th as our day of independence. The day we declared who we were in the face of a, of a tyrannical king, King George III, back in 1776, July 4th, 1776, the birth of America, the birth of a nation. And that's what we celebrate as our identity. It was our marker in history. Well, Passover was that for the Jews, the ancient Jews, when in a night God saved them and swept with a mighty hand through the land of Egypt, destroyed the enemy, and promoted and embraced these slaves, and overnight they were transformed into a nation. Overnight, Passover. They, they passed through the Red Sea. It was a form of baptism. It was all pointing towards the future. It was a point of baptism. Just like Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he went 40 days in the wilderness, just like the Jews spent 40 years in the wilderness, and then he crossed over from the Jordan and started his ministry. Just like the Jews crossed back through the Jordan River into the Promised Land after 40 years. It's all, Jesus was the perfect Israelite. So when you study the life of Jesus, you can see how it was all shadowed in the Old Testament through the nation of Israel. But the one thing Israel couldn't do is be perfect and honor God fully. They continued to fail as a group of people. And so at a point in time, the Babylonians came and swept them away, took them into slavery. And once again, they were bondage and slaves and exile. But then voices started speaking in the Old Testament. Half the Old Testament is prophetic voice of saying what God's going to do after Israel had been destroyed and the Jerusalem had been leveled and the Jews were now scattered as slaves. The homeland was desolate for about five or six hundred years. It was a mess. But the, but the voice of the Lord kept talking in these prophets that you read in the Old Testament. Anyway, so it points towards Jesus. Jesus is born. It's accounted for in all four Gospels. You can read about it. 
But in Matthew, Matthew tells us of a scenario that's very timely for this day we're in about uh, exile and being a refugee. Matthew 2, since our machine's broken, I'll just read it to you. Old school style out of the Bible. Remember these? Okay. The escape to Egypt. Now, when I say, let me put my glasses back on so I can see you. Egypt, in biblical language, biblical thought, Egypt always symbolizes the place that's away from God, the place that's anti-God. Egypt is the place you want to leave. Egypt isn't the place you go into. Egypt represents days of slavery and days of idolatry in, in biblical thought, in biblical thought, okay? So when the preface is the escape to Egypt, that's saying you don't escape to Egypt, you escape from Egypt, like the ancient Jews did in Passover. But at this point in time, Jesus as a child had to escape to Egypt. He had to go into hiding. Why? Because there was an evil tyrant king looking to kill him. Sound familiar today? Many Ukrainians, many people around the world. Ukraine's not unique, but it's something that's brought the light of the world, the attention of the world to it. But there's been refugee situations all through our life. But now it's heightened because it has much bigger implications for us globally. It begin, and we as Americans, so self-centered, it affects us because our gas prices are right. You know what I mean? But it's tragic. Whether it happens in Ukraine or whether it happens in Rwanda or whether it happens in Haiti, wherever it happens, it's tragic. And God is there in the middle of that because God knows what it's, listen, God knows what it's like to feel like a, to be a refugee. He knows what exile feels like. He knows what it's like to be hunted. He knows what it's like to have to run for his life. God knows what that feels like. Okay. The escape to Egypt. When they had gone, when they were, they being the wise men, I'm reading from Matthew chapter two, verses 13 and 14. Our title is Where is God? Can you see that? Okay, good. Thank you, Diane. Okay, when, or maybe Terry, I don't know who wrote this. Terry. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) When the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, in a dream, in a dream. Get up, the angel said in this dream, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. It's pretty severe. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother during the night, during the night, and left for Egypt. They left immediately. I mean, it's, it's as close to home, folks. That's what many Ukrainians are doing today, running for their life. You see it on the news. It's People still have to flee for their life. And where is God in all of it? God is there with them. God knows what it's like to have to run for his life. God knows. And they stayed there until the death of Herod, until the death of this monster. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt, I called my son. That's what Hosea had written hundreds of years before. 
And Matthew, the writer Matthew, takes this out and puts a whole new twist on it that brings it so swiftly to our memory. Out of Egypt, I call my son. And that word applies to you. You may have run to Egypt. You may have known the truth, raised in a Christian family, or or, or been a good person, but you wanted to do your own thing. And you ran to Egypt. You ran to bondage. You ran to a place in the middle of the night when no one could see you. You know what I'm talking about. Many of us have done that. So if this is a word for you, mom or dad, if you're praying for your child, your son, your daughter, your kid, your friend, your brother, your sister, if they've run to Egypt in addiction, in pain, for whatever reason, pray for them. Because God has a way of calling his sons and daughters out of Egypt. He says it here. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Out of Egypt, I called my daughter. Call your daughter out of Egypt. Call your son out of Egypt. God did it. He'll do it for you. So if you have a son or a daughter or a child or a grandchild who's in Egypt, in darkness, living in slavery, even though they may not know it, they may think they're having the time of their life, like the prodigal. And for a moment, it was, awful. it was awesome. But very quickly, it turned awful. But by the time you notice it, you're trapped. You can't get out on your own. Someone has to call you out. So call them out. And then... In the end of Matthew, again, God is with us. God knows what it's like. You know, the Passover, uh, the Passover situation, not situation, Passover um, theme, Passover time that we're in with Easter. Passover was a time when the death angel, you can read about in Exodus, was passing over the land of Egypt. God was trying to get the attention of the Egyptians but they, had, they didn't want to listen. Pharaoh had hardened his heart. But God was, still going to make, God was still going to do a miraculous deed. But he was setting up a whole mindset, a whole paradigm of you will be saved if you're under my covering. Passover. He will call you out so that when death passes over, you won't perish. If you're under his wing, if you're under the blood, so to speak. So that theme of where is God, God is here. When death passes over, God is protecting. You're not vulnerable if you're under his wing. So get under his wing, under his blood. That's where it's safe. May not be comfortable, but but it's safe. God didn't promise a life of comfort. He does comfort us in our pain, but he doesn't promise us a comfortable life. No, in fact, he promises a life where he asks you to, crucif- to, to die to the flesh every day, die to yourself every day. But see, that's not where it ends. Once you die to yourself, you also rise with Christ. Christ redeemed death so that death leads to resurrection. Death is the place where all the old stuff in you begins to die off, and it hurts. But God knows what pain feels like. God felt pain. Tell me, this is, not, isn't, is this not the picture of a painful experience? I don't mean to make light of it, and I'm not making light of it. But it's a very, for me, it's a very graphic, tangible place I, I go to. I look at it. I touch it. I feel this because it reminds me, for me, it gives me the sensory recognition, and, and it brings me back to a place of center that life is tough here, even in America. 
We, we, have, we may have a way of faking it or putting on, we may have luxuries and conveniences, which makes life more accessible or easy through the day, but life is still hard. And in the end, we all still die. But Christ has redeemed death. So in Christ, you don't have to fear death. Even though it's imminent, it's going to happen. But in death is where God meets you and God redeems you. And you rest in death. And then the promise for all humanity is not death eternal, but resurrection. There is a day of resurrection. That's what the scripture tells us. That's what every gospel tells us. That's what Paul tells us. The New Testament is full. The new revelation is all about it ends in resurrection. Death is not final. There is resurrection. There is resurrection. That's what the hope of the message is. But until that day, there's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. But God is with you. You're not by yourself. That's a beautiful message that Jesus gives us. You're not by yourself. He was by himself. And he took on that pain, that existential pain of being abandoned and by yourself in pain. Jesus, Jesus absorbed it on the cross. So that you don't have to absorb it. If you, if you know that there's another way. You don't have to end your life in suicide or end your life a slow suicide of just, of just desperation until you die. There is life. There is life available. It's on offer in Christ. In the end of Matthew, Matthew 25, the familiar story of the sheep and goats, the parable Jesus tells of the sheep and goats. The one takeaway, the one theme of this is not those who go into outer darkness and those who come into the joy of fellowship with the Lord. That's part of the story. But the thrust of the story is in the middle. And we like to skip over it because it's not glamorous. We like end time stuff. We like, the high, we like all that excitement of end time. What's going to happen in time? I don't know. Everybody has a different view and, you know, it's all good. But what, what's most important is what's happening here now, because that's where God is. God is here now. We talk about God in the future. Yes, absolutely. God in the end. What's going to happen in the end of the age? What's going to happen with Ukraine and Russia? What's going to happen with China and the bear and the lion and the tiger and Israel and all that? Listen, we could talk forever about that. And it's good. But what's most important is what's happening today in your life, in your pain. Where is God? God is here. The sheep and the goats. I got a minute and a half. Listen up. Put on your seatbelt. This is what's going on. Where was God? Jesus tells us. Where is God? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. God was hungry and you fed him. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. God was thirsty and you gave him something to drink. These are people who get it. God is in the hungry. God is in the thirsty. God is a stranger. And you took him in. You didn't ignore him. You looked at him in the face and you engaged him in a conversation. You took him out of his strangeness into a place of relationship. You embraced the stranger. You invited them in. He was naked. God was naked and you gave him clothes. That's where God's at. He was sick, and you, took after, you looked after him. He was in prison, and you came and you visited him. You didn't forget about him because he was in prison. God is here among us. God is with us. It's, it's rough. 
times are dark. I don't know what the future is. But that doesn't matter because I know who the future is in. It's in Christ. And he's redeemed it. Come in. Receive the blessing. Receive the love. Receive the comfort. Because God is here. God is with us. And with God, all things are possible. Okay? Okay.